Welcome to this week's episode of the Wolf Sports Show. It's the NFL Divisional Round this week. Looks like four outstanding games this weekend coming up. This will be a quicker show. Partly because there's not much recapping to do from last week. Um, pretty disappointing wildcard round, I would say. Two of the games were good. Raiders-Bengals and Niners-Cowboys. Overall, it was relatively disappointing that there weren't more close games but this weekend should be i think excellent and hopefully make up for last week and a lot of people believe that divisional round is the best weekend of the nfl season and we'll see if that happens this year that'd be nice we'll get to the teams that were eliminated quickly but first a brief outlook on the coaching search landscape there isn't much action this year to this point, no one's been hired yet, even though there are several openings. And since last week's show, two pretty big changes were made. The Texans fired David Coley shortly after last week's episode was released. It felt like he was probably gone, but I don't think it was fair at all to him. He did about as well as you could, I think. And a lot of people have said this, shared the sentiment that he did about as well as he could with the Texans. They were competitive. They got better. One more games than anyone expected. Most expected them to be the worst team in the league, which they were not. It was almost like Coley was a placeholder for one year. I don't think that was fair. Maybe he was hired partly to try to see if they could get Deshaun Watson to come back and play for the franchise. Whatever the reasoning, he did a fine job. And it probably wasn't fair for him to get fired after one season, after waiting so long for an opportunity to be a head coach. And we'll see what happens. It seems Brian Flores might be a fit for Houston, but we'll see what happens there and with the other openings. And then for the Raiders, they fired general manager Mike Mayock. It's difficult to know who was really in control of the Raiders when Mayock joined John Gruden. But some of the picks with Mayock in charge were head scratchers. However, the Raiders have good pieces in place, including draft hits like Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, and then Mayock, he led the decision to go with Rich Passaccia as the interim head coach when John Green was fired, and that paid off. The Vegas made the playoffs. So kind of a tough break for Mayock. He's done. He was really entertaining with NFL Network. We'll see if he goes back there. That would be a boost to their coverage for sure, their draft coverage. And we'll see with Bisaccia, he's trying to get the head coaching job. Personally, I don't think it's going to happen without Mac. I think if Mac was the GM, staying as the GM, it could be him and Bisaccia. But it feels like the Raiders are going to go in another direction. And Jim Harbaugh is the major speculation right now. I think that would be fantastic for them. He was tremendous as the head coach of the Niners before he was forced out basically by a power struggle and Trent Baalke remained with San Francisco. I think Harbaugh 
can keep his intentions private a little bit and talk to teams, gauge interest. I think he would be a great hire for the Raiders or any other team that might be interested. Now to the teams that were eliminated from the playoffs in the wildcard round. First, sticking with the Raiders. Aside from the head coach, Derek Carr is the other big question mark heading into the offseason. He's under contract. But the thought is that he and the team might go in another direction. So that's something to watch. One of the biggest storylines in the offseason, if it indeed is a possibility that he leaves. And it will probably depend on who the head coach is and if the head coach wants him as the quarterback in 2022 or what. And Vegas gave a great effort to make it close against the Bengals. And they have some beef with the inadvertent whistle. It might have been a touchdown anyway. Tyler Boyd might have been open enough that he would have caught it either way. Watching live, it looked like the Raiders stopped playing to me when the whistle happened. When they went back and replayed it, it appeared the whistle was later than I first thought. So it was a weird situation. Other people I've talked to and seen online also thought the whistle was earlier than the replay showed too. So it's a weird situation with hearing through the TV and sound and everything. It definitely live looked like the Raiders stopped playing when they thought Burrow was out of bounds and the whistle was blown. Anyway, it might not have made a difference in the game, but Raiders fans, including former Raiders great Charles Woodson on Fox, voiced their displeasure with the NFL, and they feel that they're always on the short end of these things. The Patriots, they just had their worst game of the season, obviously on Saturday night. You hate to end the year like that. They had a great stretch in, in the middle towards the end part of the season. Buffalo just looks like a juggernaut right now. And I think New England just kind of ran into them at the wrong time. They The Bills played about as well as you can play, while the Patriots just didn't play that well. But New England can be definitely optimistic about the future. The offseason last year was a big one in getting things back on track. Mac Jones and Christian Baltimore, the first two draft picks, both from Alabama last year, both paid off and two of their best players moving forward without a doubt, one on each side of the ball. So for as bad as it was, and Patriots fans and media too are used to winning, they kind of, from what I've seen, complain a bit about losing and losing big. I think they should be patient and optimistic and they should be competitive every year moving forward. For the Eagles, they also didn't play well. Jalen Hurst didn't play well. I think the ankle injury he suffered late in the season was a factor. He was inconsistent, but he had stretches of strong accuracy. And he didn't make the Buccaneers' defenses super fast, but he didn't make many plays with his legs last week like he had been when he was healthier. Philadelphia did commit to him as the quarterback in 2022. I don't think it's a smokescreen in that they'd go after Deshaun Watson or whatever. We'll see where that goes, though. And if it was indeed truthful words from the team, the key for them, not just in 2022, but moving forward, is making sure the offensive line is a position of strength, as it has been for much of the past handful of years. 
including the Super Bowl run, obviously. And they need to add more playmakers around Devontae Smith on the outside. The Cowboys also just didn't play well in the playoffs. It was ultimately a close game where they could have won at the end. But the Niners felt like the better team throughout. And the team was mad with the officials not spotting the ball in time and letting them get one final playoff. It's easy to understand why they were frustrated. They felt like they should have had another play. It just wasn't, I don't have a huge problem with play call. It just wasn't executed well. But the blaming of the officials after the game was not a good look at all. Dak Prescott, he's a stand-up guy, but he said the basically that it was fine. The fans threw stuff at the officials. He did apologize, and I don't think you'll hear a comment like that from him again. And he was just frustrated, I think, after the loss. The bottom line is their offensive line didn't play well enough, and that game wasn't lost from an officiating mistake or in the final minute. There was no guarantee at all, not even a good chance. Who knows what would happen, but not a great chance they would have scored with one play to go from, it would have been a mini Hail Mary type of thing, shot to the end zone from about the 25-30, whatever it was. And now we'll see if the Cowboys can retain both their coordinators, Kellen Moore on offense, and especially Dan Quinn on defense. The Dallas defense was outstanding, and they'll do what they can to keep Quinn. I would think Jerry Jones will make him very highly paid as a defensive coordinator if he has to. But Quinn is sought after for these head coaching jobs that are open. For the Steelers, that officially ends the career for Ben Roethlisberger, who will announce his retirement, I'm sure, at some point this offseason. And Roethlisberger had a ton of respect around the league. Russell Wilson had a tweet saying how he's a legend. Also about Russell Wilson, he was back on the Manning cast for the Monday night game, Monday night wildcard game last week, and again, he was great. And if I was one of the big networks, I would probably try to lock him up right now, even if it's not for another 10 years or whatever, when he retires, to get him as a analyst on the games. I think he might quickly become the best at that if he ever does that. You can tell he's comfortable and knows what he's doing and he's a likable character. I would offer him whatever Romo is getting right now and offer him that much in a future deal. I don't know how it would work contract-wise or whatever, but I would try to lock him up if I was CBS, Fox, NBC. Back to Roethlisberger with him set to retire. Pittsburgh is looking for a new franchise quarterback. Mike Tomlin says he's excited about the opportunity to search for one. I would think any quarterbacks, if they, for example, Derek Carr, or if Rodgers still wants out of Green Bay, which I don't think is the case that much anymore, the Steelers is probably a spot, a steady franchise, one of the NFL's top franchises, a great spot for a quarterback to land. However, I wouldn't count out Mason Rudolph as a potential option if they don't love anyone else out there. He's been in the organization for a few years now, and he's done a pretty nice job when he's had to play. Overall, the quarterback situation for the Steelers, one of the biggest things to watch in the offseason. And also, the Steelers and the Eagles were seven seeds, were not really close in their playoff losses. You don't want to overreact too much to one year and one week. 
but I'm not sure if we need a seventh team. Their reasoning is a seventh playoff team. The reasoning is obvious, more money for the NFL to add two more playoff games each wildcard weekend. Personally, I don't like it. I like it better than the 17th game just because the league has typically felt deep this year. Clearly wasn't the case overall for the teams that ended up making the playoffs compared to the teams they faced. So you don't want to overreact too much, but we'll keep an eye on that in future years, whether the seventh playoff team is a good thing or not. Again, it's much better, I think, than a 17th game in terms of expansion. That I don't like at all. I think they should have stuck with 16. And finally, the Cardinals. They also might have played their worst game of the season against the Rams. Give the Rams credit. Give Matthew Stafford credit for getting his first playoff win and not looking phased by the big lights, I guess. But the Cardinals sort of made it easy on LA. They didn't play well. They weren't sharp. And when they fell behind, the body language wasn't great as I've laid out as being an issue for them from what I've seen just on TV. There are many calling for Cliff Kingsbury to be fired. Again, I wasn't on him as a hire because he didn't have a ton of success at Texas Tech. I definitely don't think he should be fired, though. He's done a good job and helped Arizona consistently progress under him the past three seasons. The offense has a few upcoming free agents and we'll see how many they can retain. James Conner is a big one after he was a tone setter for them in 2021. Now to the divisional round matchups first on Saturday, the Bengals face the Titans. It looks like the Titans will have Derrick Henry back. So that's obviously huge. Henry and Julio Jones among players that have played at least six playoff games since I think it's 1970. They're both top 10 in yards from scrimmage. Julio appeared to get going in his last action in week 18, scored a touchdown. So having them, if Julio's healthy, along with A.J. Brown, they're very explosive, just as explosive as the Bengals. Cincinnati is very confident after beating the Raiders, getting a win, their first playoff win in 31 years. Joe Burrow says it'll be the norm moving forward for the franchise. They might be the most confident team left of the eight teams remaining. Burrow's a big part of that. The Titans, they're a really physical team. They'll be looking to maybe bully them a little bit. That's their mindset, I think, going into every game. It should be really close, I think. The big thing is, I think, Ryan Tannehill taking care of the ball and the Titans not starting slow after the week off. But they did play in week 18, so I think that's a definite plus. And Trey Hendrickson, star pass rusher for Cincinnati, cleared concussion protocol. That's massive. He can change the game off the edge, as he's shown the past two seasons, first with the Saints last year and then with Cincinnati in 2021. It feels like it should be a very close game that might come down to the turnover battle. So Tannehill, Burrow, and... Everyone, the skill guys, punt returns. They need to secure the ball and don't turn it over and give short fields to the other offense. Saturday night, Niners and Packers at Lambeau Field. It's going to be very cold, the coldest game. A lot is being made of it that Jimmy Garoppolo will have played in in the NFL. 
I don't think it's an issue. He went to college at Eastern Illinois. Personally, I don't think it'll be an issue. The issue might be his shoulder and thumb. He's dealing with injuries both to his throwing arm and hand. He said it impacted some throws last week. Kyle Shanahan is clearly going to want to go with a run-heavy approach, as he did a couple of seasons ago. When the Niners got to the Super Bowl, I think Raheem Mostert ran for 220 yards, 200-something it was, and four touchdowns on Green Bay. Shanahan will look to utilize Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. And George Kittle, we haven't even seen do much. As a receiver, anyway, as a blocker, he's always a force as a run blocker and also a pass blocker. We just haven't seen Kittle do much as a receiver. We know he could take over games. So keep an eye on him as a potential X factor, although he is an obvious one being a superstar tight end. Even if he doesn't do damage as a receiver, he's just as key helping with the run game. For the Packers, they're well-rested. Like the Titans, they did play in Week 18, although Green Bay pulled the starters and they didn't play in the second half. I would expect Aaron Rodgers and company to come in super locked in, knowing how difficult an opponent the Niners are. Playing at home at Lambeau Field this year with the fans, full full fans, full stadium, full Lambeau Field. That'll be a boost throughout this month. One of the potential boosts for Green Bay is we've talked about them a few times. The returns, potential returns of Jair Alexander, Zedaria Smith, on defense, and then David Bakhtiari being healthy as an option on offense as a star left tackle. All hands on deck would be massive for the Packers. They're the biggest favorites of the week as things currently stand. I don't anticipate that changing. Right now it's minus six. They have probably been the best team in the league from start to finish. Well, week one wasn't good, but overall this season. So I guess that's why they're favored pretty heavily compared to the other matchups. But I think this is going to be a very close game. Again, on Saturday night after the first game should also be close in the AFC. And right now the Niners have the feel almost of a team that you would rather not play in the playoffs, maybe have somebody else hopefully eliminate them. They can beat anyone with the way they can run the ball and their pass rush is picked up and they're getting after the passer and can get to the quarterback with just four rushers. And Eric Armstead moving inside has sparked the pass rush a bit and helped the defense become closer to what it looked like a couple of seasons ago. We'll see how they hold up against Devontae Adams. They don't have anyone that'll just go match up with him. And Adams could take over the game as one of the best players in the league. I anticipated a close one, though, on Saturday night. On Sunday, the first matchup is Rams-Bucks. The Rams handled the first matchup of the season early in the year. Tampa Bay was banged up then, but both teams are very different at this point. Chris Godwin is out now. He played in the first matchup. Antonio Brown's out now. He was out of the first matchup, but now he's just not even a member of the team. I think Tampa Bay will try to run the ball more this time around. L.A. added Von Miller. That's another big difference. Tampa Bay was my preseason NFC pick. They were my NFC pick ahead of the playoffs last week. But I have to say I'm worried about this Sunday. I think the Rams are a difficult matchup for them. You have Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd all leading a pass rush that can get after Brady. And the main concern for Brady, you could see it a little bit. He's not 
all the way there in terms of chemistry with the, all of his receivers. Not having Chris Godwin and also Antonio Brown might be a big blow that's difficult to overcome against the Rams. They'll need, again, Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski to both have big games, both maybe find the end zone like they did last week. We'll see if Jalen Ramsey follows Evans. He hasn't been doing a ton of that this season, but they might feel Ramsey following Evans or even Gronk at times. They can handle the other skill players for the Bucks. That's why I think the run game is key for Tampa Bay. And if the Bucks are in favorable third downs, third and three, third and four, Brady should be able to find his guys, keep drives moving, and put up points. On the other side, look for Todd Bowles to have something in store for Matthew Stafford. We touched on Stafford earlier about he played well in his first playoff win last week. I think this will be a tougher challenge to have a base healthier at corner now. We'll see if their physicality can frustrate Odo Beckham Jr. a little bit. After Beckham, he's been a major factor in scoring territory for the Rams. Cam Akers does not look like he tore his Achilles six months ago. Akers working off of Sony Michel is quite the tandem. And Akers' involvement as a receiver last week was exciting. So overall, the Rams, I think they're in a good spot. I wouldn't think it's crazy to say they should be favored in this game. However, in the end, the Bucks are at home. And I'm not going against Tom Brady. I think they'll find a way to get it done and advance to the NFC title game for the second straight year. Look for the defense. As I said last week, the defense for the Bucks to be flying around. Devin White, Lamonte David, Vita Vea on the inside, Sue, Pierre Paul and Shaquille Barrett off the edge. Rookie Joe Tryon has flashed, and the safeties can come up and hit. Look for them to be high energy this week as they look to advance past the Rams. And finally, it's saying something that they're pushing. Tom Brady is not in the late Sunday game, last divisional round game. Instead, it's the Chiefs and Bills. That goes to show how good the game is on paper. The Bills pretty much dominated the first matchup in the regular season in Arrowhead. I don't think that'll happen again. The Chiefs are in a better spot now. The Bills are underdogs by just, it's been within three points all week from what I've seen. Josh Allen and the Bills offense are coming off one of the best performances in not just postseason history, but the history of the league. Seven drives, seven touchdowns on a Bill Belichick defense, which is just crazy. The concern is hopefully they didn't play so well that they didn't leave anything for this week. That might be weird to say, but but they're probably going to have more controversy this week and have to bounce back from punts or turnovers. So that'll be a challenge against the Kansas City defense that's been a factor in January, especially at home. For the Chiefs offense, Jared McKinnon has been a revelation of sorts. He looks healthy now. He basically had the previous two seasons wiped out by injury while with the Niners. You can see why Kyle Shanahan liked him. He's explosive and versatile, and he's showing he can lead the backfield if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out again and Daryl Williams remains banged up with a toe. The Bills need to have answers for McKinnon. Also, we'll see if Buffalo not having star corner Tredavious White hurts them in what's going to be a really close game probably. 
a lot is going to be made about this being a matchup of the two quarterbacks. Many say Mahomes is the best in the league. I still think it's Brady without question. I think over the past two seasons, I don't think Mahomes has really been that close to the best, to be honest. I think Allen and Aaron Rodgers are there with Brady, right in the mix with him, right behind him. But naturally, this will go a long way in determining narratives, at least for the short term. And there's no question the Bills, this is somewhat of a monkey on their backs, trying to get past the Chiefs in the AFC. And if they can do it this week, it might catapult them to another level. And all around, offense, defense, special teams, Buffalo is probably the best all-around team in the AFC. Uh, Top five offense and defense. The best scoring defense with the top five scoring offense. Um, Keeping a close eye on the officiating. Seeing the Chiefs get calls. In the other conference, it seems the Rams get calls. The officiating was under the microscope last week. I hope it doesn't come into play, but I'll be watching that. It might not have made a difference at all. But if I remember correctly, last year's Chiefs-Bills matchup in the playoffs had some questionable officiating. So that's something to watch. I think Buffalo is the smallest market in the league. The NFL, I think, wants Mahomes to get back to the Super Bowl for a third straight year. So just, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I don't think they're fixing the game. That said, the officiating is going to be something to watch all weekend. And hopefully, again, it doesn't impact things. In the end, I think the Bills are the better team this season and will get it done. But it has the makings of a classic divisional round game. And we'll leave it there. Uh, Against the spread picks, we're at 55% all time. Check those out on wolfsports.com. Power rankings are on wolfsports.com. Game picks will be up there. I'm hoping for four awesome games to make up for last week. This is the last Saturday of games until next year, late next year for the NFL. I guess, yeah, in, in December. So enjoy those two playoff games Saturday. And then the two tremendous matchups on Sunday, determining the final four teams. So that does it for this week's episode. Enjoy all the games and thank you for listening.